0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to the episode of The Dime. I'm Brian Fields, and with me, as always, is Kellen Finney. And this week, we've got a very special guest, Christina Wong, cannabis food, drink, travel, writer, and creator. Christina, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today?
1: Hey, guys. How are you? I'm great, thanks.
0: I think one of the things that people are going to be surprised to hear is that the intersection of culinary and cannabis isn't just the gummies or the brownies. There mm-hmm. are other things. So talk to us today. What is currently happening and where is that intersection for, for culinary and cannabis?
1: Absolutely. And so, like, I think people have been cooking and baking with cannabis. Things have been passed around. You know, of course, like the column in High Times, um, Ganja Gourmet has had so many beautiful recipes. But when we think about edibles today, modern edibles, it's mostly gummies, chocolates. There's a growing category of savory snacks, which I am obsessed with. I think it's great. Less sugar is better. But also, um, cooking and baking with cannabis at home can be a really affordable and accessible way of getting access and you can control what you're putting in uh, a lot of the products that are available on the market. Um, you know, you don't always know, or, you know, is it made with a distillate? Is it made with Delta eight, Delta nine? It, it can become very confusing. And so learning to cook and bake at home was really overwhelming at first. Like my mind, like my head hurt, it was exploding. And I was just like, wait, am I get, how fucked up am I going to get? Am I doing this right? And I had so many concerns and I was Googling, I was looking and Reddit, I was going in forums and it was incredibly overwhelming. There's so much advice. And the question I kept coming back to was, all right, but how much, how much flour do I use to get this much in my edible? And everyone's like, oh, I'll just make it and try, it. take a nibble and try it and you'll find out. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't like that. I would like to know with some certainty of how much I'm getting. And so for a lot of people in states where it is not legal, or maybe it's medical accessible, or you are able to grow at home, learning how to cook and bake at home can become very affordable. Like I'll say like, you go spend what $25 on a bag of gummies, you can go spend $25 on a pretty like low mid grade on sale. Um, batch of flour and turn that into more edibles than you would get in
0: that bag of gummies. How did you get first get hooked on the idea of it? Were you always interested in cooking and then applied it with cannabis? Were you a big fan of cannabis and then applied to cooking? How did you get started?
1: I love food. Food is life. I mean, the pursuit of eating food, cooking food. I'm not a professional chef by trade or by training. I just love to cook. I've spent a lot of time working in the culinary and the food industry, talking to chefs in my previous career, doing PR branding and marketing for a restaurant group. um, I wrote a lot. I ghost wrote a lot of recipes. So that's where I learned just kind of like that food world. And then I was baking a lot. Um, I just really enjoy baking because I like to eat it. And a lot of like the baked goods have too much sugar. They're too sweet. So I enjoy making my own recipes. And I got my start in the cannabis industry because I worked at Papa and Barkley. They're one of um, California's leading wellness companies. So they have the topicals. They now have edibles and gummies and all sorts of things. But it was working there and just learning about the plant from the farmers. And there's this one guy there. I call him my master teacher. His name is Hector and he is a medical patient. So he uses high doses of cannabis to manage his pain. And he loved to cook and bake. So he'd come to my office and he'd bring me like whatever he baked. And we'd sit there and talk in my office. And I'd ask him so many questions and he was so patient to explain to me. And he, one day he handed me one of their tinctures and he's like, here, take this bottle of tincture. There's so much of it. It's free here in the office. And like, start with this and you can dose it properly. So I use the tinctures to learn how to dose properly. And then that built my confidence of how to make this at home. Then that kind of expanded out.
0: Do any strains or terpenes influence the concoction of the meal? Do you do you try to lean in certain areas because you know they influence the taste at all? How, how do you think about that?
1: I do. I like to pair the terpene profiles and the strain profiles with the food because just like any herb, like right, if you're cooking with oregano and you're you're making a pasta sauce, you're not going to use a pound of oregano. It's going to overpower the flavor. You only need a little bit. And so uh, for me, the fun part of cooking and baking with cannabis is not only do I have um, a plant and an ingredient that affects the flavor, and there's so many variety, right? If you're cooking with a limonene versus something that's high in a linalool, um, some of it cooks off for sure. So it's very subtle, but with food, it is all very subtle. It's how do these flavors work together and I find that with baked goods and cannabis the cannabis actually like that earthiness of it helps offset and balance the sweetness that comes from desserts which I really like
0: any sort of masking of the flavor or any sort of hesitations with that
1: I don't like to advocate for masking the flavor, I think that that comes from if you're cooking and baking with a distillate or an isolate. Um, I get asked this a lot. You know, how do you mask the flavor? And when I eat edibles that have that weird bitter aftertaste, that's usually from where it comes from. I like to celebrate the natural weedy flavor because to me that tastes delicious, and there's a way to pair it—a nice solventless like a rosin whole flour hash. I love edibles made with hash and ice water hash. I think the feels good and it tastes good. It's just like kind of pushing past. We're associating the bitter taste and like this weediness. But come on, we drink wheatgrass. Wheatgrass is gross and it's going to be okay. So I like to work with the flavor of cannabis and pair it instead of trying to mask it.
0: What is the number one takeaway people can do to improve their home-infused cooking today?
1: Do math. Learn the math. I know it feels hard. Math is hard. We've been taught that math is hard. And if my parents knew right now that I'm sitting here shouting about how math is important, they'd laugh because as a child, I sat and cried over my Kumon homework as my dad like hit my hand. Besides that. I'd say like, be open and curious. Know that less is more. And ask questions.
0: When you got started in the cannabis journey, what did you get right? And most importantly, what did you get wrong?
1: I think really... Tapping into community and finding a culture and community of people who align with what I believe in is really incredible. I would say there's the most incredible women I have met in cannabis are incredibly supportive. Uh, One of the things I got wrong, I think um, I came in with a lot of stereotypes, you know, uh, a lot of habits and things like really learning about the racist history of cannabis prohibition and um, changing my language from saying things like black market. To legacy market, um, I think those are important. I, you know, I still make mistakes. I still make a lot of assumptions. I'm still learning a lot as I'm cooking and baking. Um, I'm trying to be open to hearing what do high dose medical users really need, right? What do high dose edibles users need and want, and how can I? I I'm talking about low dose, but how can I adjust my recipes and my approach to cooking and baking that can like serve? them so that they can have better tasting edibles too, because I'm sure that everybody wants to eat good food and we don't want to taste food that tastes like chlorophyll.
0: If you could sum up your experience and the main takeaway or lesson learned to pass on to the next generation, what would it be?
1: Be open-minded, be curious, ask questions. There's so many incredible people who know so much and my mind has been opened by just meeting so many people. Even, you know, I grew up in a very, uh, you know, corporate, traditional kind of um, life and experience and coming into the cannabis industry, people come from all different kinds of backgrounds and it doesn't make them any better or worse or whatever it is, like set aside whatever prejudices and things that you may have in your mind and come in with an open heart and an open mind to hear people out.
0: Christina, it's 2050. What does the world look and view infused meals as? Are there events or experiences that are currently happening in 2050?
1: But if you had asked me what, like 30 years ago, what this would I couldn't have imagined it. Culinary cannabis was not something that I imagined would even be a thing. And yet here we are and it is, and it brings people together. I would like to hope that it's legal. We're not facing this type of discrimination and like, just unfairness around the world and that this plant is being, we're using food and cannabis to bridge cultures, to bridge conversations and bring people together. I mean, like probably we're going to be able to just buy cannabis infused food, like off the shelves, like you would any other. I think that would be cool, right? If you could go buy your package to this. I mean, it's already there, but it's at a dispensary. And I would like for cannabis to be treated Similar to how we look at alcohol and be available in the same way. Because alcohol is technically more damaging and it's more easily and readily available.
0: For our listeners, they want to get in touch, they want to subscribe to your Substack to get some of these recipes, where can they find you?
1: You can find me, um, easiest ways, on Instagram. I'm at fruitandflower, all one word spelled out. And on Substack, my Substack newsletter and podcast is fruitandflower.substack.com. My new podcast just dropped. It's available on um, Spotify, Apple Music, and Substack as well. So, But my newsletter is the best way to find me. You can also check out my
0: website. Awesome. We'll link those up in the show notes. Thanks for taking the time. This was a lot of fun.
1: You're very welcome. It's pleasure being here.
0: Guys, if you've enjoyed this podcast over the last few years, can you please take three minutes or less and leave us a quick review on Apple or Spotify? All reviews make a massive difference for us and help other people like you find this podcast. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, host of Casually Baked, the podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your of confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked, the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.